This is the Physical Activity Researcher Podcast, a podcast for researchers of sedentary behavior, physical activity, and sports. Join for a relaxed dialogue about research design, practicalities, and, well, anything related to research. Learn from your fellow researchers useful and relevant information that does not fit into formal content and limited space of scientific publications. And here is your host, researcher and entrepreneur, Ollie Tikkanen. Welcome, everyone. In this episode, we are going to talk about physical activity recommendations and training of children and also new research design ideas with children. And we have an interesting guest for this episode. He has been working over 10 years as an ice hockey coach for 12 to 20 years old. Currently, he's doing his sport and exercise medicine master's degree in the University of Uvascula. And part of his master's internship in industry, for my great pleasure, Jaco has been doing his internship at Fibion. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our guest, Mr. Jaakko Alasarla. Welcome, Jaakko. Thanks for having me, Olli. Nice pleasure to be here. Yeah, great to have you. So, would you like to give a short introduction of yourself? Yeah, so I'm basically, from my background is that I've been ice hockey coach, children and adolescent for 10 years, and at the same time I've been studying as a physiotherapist degree in Oulu, and then after the graduation I decided that I need to study more, and then I find out that Uvascula offers sports and exercise medicine master's thesis, so I applied and get in, and now I'm studying more, and the interesting part is that what I want to focus on is that how the children move, and what is the physical activity recommendations, and do we meet the recommendations in the children and adolescents, and how we can improve those. Yeah, let's let's go in a moment to your master's thesis and, and those teams. Uh, but let's let's talk first a little bit about your internship. Uh, you you contacted me some months ago and asked if you could do an internship at at Fibion. So how has your experiences been as an intern, and what have you what have you learned? It's been a great experience for me because it's difficult, totally different what I have done before. That how we measure the activities and what kind of background information we need and also what we can do that we can contact the researchers, contact the customers and so on. So for myself, I've been working mostly with the social media posting, blog posting, helping the team to get better and improve the background information for the Phibian and especially for the Phibian kids. So great experience for learning. And totally different what we can learn from the university and from the lectures. Yeah, I, I think it's quite different. Like in science, you know, researchers and and students also are spending a lot of time like making perfect text and and long format always. And then in a company, you need different kinds of text. You you might do ebook, you might do white paper. You might do blog posts, you might do social media posts, you might be publishing it. same things as a video or like an audio here. So I think it's it's very important to learn to be able to talk in talk and write 
in different formats, in different media, and thinking about the audience that is this too scientific, what is the level of language, what's what's your experience on, on these things? Yeah, that's been a big challenge, and also that what we talked about, I was asking about you, that do, do I use the language that is made for the researchers, or do I make it for the children, you, or for the customers? So it's been difficult also using that. Do we use audio records? Do we use video channels or different kind of methods? How we can get? Do we use only text? So it's been a challenge and it's been also fun to learn that we can use different kind of methods to contact the people. And and one of the challenges with the Fibian kids has been that who is actually always the kind of the who we need to talk. Like it might be that when we are are promoting it, it might be the researchers or persons responsible for for example in municipalities for children's movement and then when we actually create the reports there might be a report for the parents and then what is the report for younger children what is it for adolescents and and then what is the what is the output for researchers so we need to really think all different ones and I remember you were asking like which which language should I use in this one and also I I had to think quite long that who is actually that we we are need to we need to be talking to yeah and that's also about that from my experience because I'm a student still and I, if I'm talking to researchers they usually have doctors or professors so they are basically have more knowledge than I have so how do I contact them and if I speak to the children or if I contact with the parents then it's like I know more than them so it's difficult and totally different world how to use the tech words and what to describe how many details we have to do use in our reports and so on yeah and how is it you have a physiotherapist background and now you're doing a master's and you are daily working with children coaching them how do you how do you communicate you know a lot about exercise science how do you how do you usually communicate different things related to training intensity and maybe adaptation yeah it's kind of interesting when i my experience from working with the smaller children it's kind of just let them go make them move make them sure that they are active during the practice sessions and so on and then when we start to work with the adolescents and children and adolescents who are turning into the adulthood then we go more details this is the intensity what we want to have if we work on the office for ice hockey training use for the power what we want to have that push hard as you can don't be slow take the recovery breaks long enough and when we work with the smaller children then just go when you finish one job go for another one and that's like one thing what we have always wondered now in the especially in ice hockey coaching is that how we use the ice time if we have 60 minutes of ice time how active we should be what is the intensity levels of our active are we physically active for vigorous levels moderate levels or do we just listen what the coach is saying and then we don't get any activity there and how, how do you see, for example, for adolescent ice hockey players, how important do you see that they they understand 
training, they understand adaptation, they understand what is the difference between maximum strength, what is power, what is how skill is practiced. Do you see it important or is it just that it's enough when the coach is saying something and they follow the guidelines? I think that it's a learning process. We have to start to add small things every year that they understand because it only takes a couple of years. They're from 15 and then they're 18 and then they have the different focus and different teams to play. So how they can develop themselves and maintain their well-being and physical abilities to work in the next level. So I think that's the important thing is that we don't put everything on the, when they're 15 that we work on for a longer period, one year at a time. Next thing is that focus on now you know the techniques, how to do off-ice training with the weights. Next thing is that you know how to do it then with the explosiveness and so on. That's That's interesting. And and do you do you at any point use any any technology? Do you measure heart rate or do you do you trust kind of subjective feelings of the of the youngsters or or kind of observing as a coach? Or do you do you see that there is need for any kind of technology in ice hockey training? As I started coaching, it was I didn't know anything. I didn't have any ideas that do we have to follow up the data, how tired the players are or how they feeling that practice sessions are they too hard are they too easy but nowadays when we have more knowledge i think that it should be more important that we can also get the objective data it's easy to get the subjective data from the players but there's also that players who are adolescents they might think that this is not hard i have to push harder and make more practice hours and so on so as a controlling method and we understand that, okay, of course, if we have the ice time, we are going vigorous physical activity. Then on the off-ice, don't go vigorous, stay moderate levels, stay even light levels, and work on so those things. So that should be one thing that we could improve our sport club participation, that we understand the differences between the intensity levels of physical activity. Are you a medical doctor, physical therapist, personal trainer, or someone else helping individuals in making a change towards a healthier, better life? Imagine a behavior change tool designed for professionals like you to help your clients achieve better results and at the same time provide you with more income. Fibian is that tool. It offers an evidence-based way for health and wellness professionals to extend their services into coaching. The only thing your client needs to do is put a tiny Fibian device into their pocket for a week. The device collects objective physical activity data from your client. Fibian helps you to educate and coach your clients through this change towards a more active and healthy life. Strengthen your expert status. Distinguish yourself from the competition. Order Fibian now at Fibian.com. Yeah, I, I remember it's it's many years ago. I was in a in a sport coaching kind of scientific but practical uh, seminar, and I think it was speed skating team. Maybe it was Netherlands. I might remember the country wrong. But they got the good funding and then they were really excited, the researchers, that they went to went to measure everything from the athletes. And 
and what they found out in the end that basically they need no technology at all and the best indicator of of training too hard was that when the coach is looking the eyes of the of the athletes in the morning if they look super tired they they have been probably training a bit too hard and it's time to take a little bit easier so i think that was just a good kind of indicator that sometimes we trust the technology too much that athletes can feel the tiredness or you can actually see that if if the athletes look super tired when they wake up and uh, are eating breakfast that that might be sometimes a good indication of, of being too tired yeah and i think nowadays we have to focus more on the well-being of the athlete starting from the young age there actually we kind of always forget that our children who are participating in the sports club or any other sports it's kind of they have the school they get the stress from there they have their families they have some kind of family trips and relatives coming to visit and different kind of environments all the time and if the practice is always stressful you don't get the good feeling you don't enjoy it then it's hard to get the well-being of the athlete how do they sleep if you go for the school for eight to four and you go to practice and then you after 7 p.m or 8 p.m you go home and then you start to figure out okay now i have to do two hours of homework then i go to sleep it's very stressful for the athlete so yeah and i'm not an expert on these dual career studies but i think many of them have the main finding that the most important thing for the kind of the well-being or how how the young athletes can manage is the distance between the school and the training place that if they are next to each other the athletes are doing much better because they don't need to spend time extra time their schedule is anyway busy so it might be really really small things that make the difference in the in the well-being yeah i think it's also because as a vascular region we have the athletes who are coming from the 50 kilometers away from the ice ring and then we have the players who are coming one kilometer from the ice ring so if somebody can go walk it takes five minutes to go home and back it back to the ice ring and somebody has to use two hours for the trip to come to the ice ring so it's learning how to develop with those athletes how we don't get them too tired and that's the key point kind of or an interesting point is that in a competitive environment for junior hockey players for example everybody's competing for the ice time do i get to the different situations on game how can we control that they are still developing and they are feeling well about themselves it's a difficult to take because somebody wants to work more somebody has the easier and what is the other things in life that are more important than the ice hockey for example how they go to the school are they too tired do they sleep well enough yeah really really interesting questions and you you were working with 11 to 20 years old 20 year olds uh, how do you see the differences between the different age groups in in coaching in managing the well-being and and different things what are your experiences from 10 years of of coaching i think for them if you look at the 11 12 13 years olds it's kind of easy because they have the passion for the playing and passion for being part of something it's very easy they just want to play have fun 
and we just have to kind of make sure that they have the possibilities to do so. And when they grow older, 15, 16, 17, 18, and so on, then it's kind of getting to know the human behind the player. There comes the psychological side, how they are feeling themselves, how they are developing, everything goes on. Is there, do you have a friends in the team? Do you have your best friends in other sports or in school? How much time you can spend with them? So it's getting to know the people behind the player. So that's more important in the later stages of junior hockey. And do you, do you see there being some kind of threshold year where, for example, players are quitting or or stop playing? Let's let's use that term. Maybe, maybe uh, there's a teenage years. Do you, do you see some kind of threshold years for some something happening there? I think in Finland it might be that it comes in the ages of 15 and 16 because the competence level is kind of competition level is kind of increasing and some want to quit they want to do something other focus more on school or so on so that's kind of the deep, dropping out age you don't get and then of course in ice hockey we have a limited time of ice we have limited ice rings what we can use so if you want to do more but you don't find a team where you can practice Maybe it's kind of, okay, I don't want to do this, I do something else. Then you drop out. How can we maintain that those children who drop out from the sports can maintain their physical activity levels that are necessary for their health? That's one of the key points that we should focus more on in the future. And how how do you usually see with the persons who have stopped uh, the competitive sports? Do you do you have any experience? How is there, do they move to just doing strength training or do they stop doing any activity what's what's the usual pathway that you have noticed i think especially when working with the boys it's they move up to the strength training go to the gyms maybe not do so much aerobic training but that's i think my personal view is that they start to use strength training or then other chances that they don't use that time in physical activity they maybe use time with the friends there online or maybe they go for a malls or something else, have coffees, living the life of the but the adolescents and teens are living. Yeah, but those those players usually they, they enjoy sports, but ice hockey is pretty competitive and maybe there's no right team anymore for them if they are not good enough to continue in certain certain teams is there any any other sport that would provide kind of a natural pathway for them to move into that they could still enjoy competitive sports or a little bit less competitive but uh, but not with uh, such high demands as ice hockey is, is putting oh, i think the one of those floorball of course it's similar sport easier to play because you don't need the ice and also we have in different clubs we have different kind of teams that are level practicing in different amounts in ice hockey that's one way also to stay physically active but i think more also and what we can do as a society especially in finland that we create the places where children and adolescents can go and play outside or inside for free use the environment well 
So that's one thing that we should focus more. Do you have any any other suggestions how how we could improve the improve the situation to transition in kind of active lifestyle? Of course, we can use also that if we drop out from playing sports, maybe we can go guidance sports, start to coach, start to be a referee in some sports. I think in Finnish baseball is one good example that the players are playing a lot and then they start to referee the younger ones games. So it's also you get the time to spend in the sport. You also keep the physical activity levels not as high as you play, but you still have the ability to be active in the sport. And and maybe for our international listeners, there's a lot of sports that probably many don't know. I, ice hockey is is big sport in Finland, and and also floorball is is quite big in in Nordic countries and a couple of other other European countries. And then Finland has a national national game, which is Finnish baseball. It has some similarities with baseball, but it's it's very very different but yeah that's for a short intro for the for the international listeners thanks for joining us this week on physical activity researcher podcast if you like the show make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on twitter this podcast is made possible by listeners like you thank you for your support If you found value in the show, we would really appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or whichever app you use. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show. It would be a great help for us. We have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes, so be sure to tune in. Thank you all for your support and have a great day.